Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news, along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey, welcome back to Police Pod Talk, folks. Hopefully you had a nice weekend. I am thrilled today to have a special guest with us, a Julie Dominguez. She's going to come talk to us today. We've known each other for several years, uh, had a lot of laughs and jokes together, but uh, she got serious and took a different job from where we used to work together at. But she's working for a consultant firm, and they do a lot of work with affirmative action. They go out and talk to different companies and help them put together an action plan. But uh, I'm going to let Julie explain. Uh, Julie, you can say hey and let people know that you're actually sitting over here. Well, hi. Yeah, I am here. Okay. You're not alone. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about affirmative action and how affirmative action, how it's doing now, how it started, uh, is it needed now. And the biggest thing that uh, when I spoke to a lot of people about you coming on to talk to us, was the police side and it also fired my brother was a fireman so he had it too it was a lot of things were said about affirmative action good bad or whatever and just trying to see you know is this true the stuff that we were hearing and what's going on today with affirmative action so again julie uh julie dominguez welcome and uh, thank you for being here spending a little time with us today and i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you roll with it and i'll throw in a few questions as we go along is that all right absolutely you go right ahead talk about yourself Well, I have um, been in the affirmative action realm genre of practice um, for a little over 10 years now. I started Mm -hmm. um, just kind of fell into it, really. Um, I was a paralegal in my prior life, Mm -hmm. quit that um, and went back to school to finish my undergrad, went to finish, went to do a master's degree also. And in doing that, I thought, maybe I should work for someone who works at the university so that I can get a discount. (laughs) So I looked for a full-time job. (laughs) I looked for a full-time job and found one um, where it, you know, it made sense. The person who was in that director job had formerly been an attorney, had a law degree, Mm -hmm. and it was an easy transition for me to go from being a paralegal to being... um, an associate director okay. with, um, you know, in that office. All right. I, I mean, I didn't start as an associate director, but I ended up there before I left. Hmm. Affirmative action was only part of what I did right. um, initially. And, you know, affirmative action is a, a component of the totality of equal employment opportunity. Okay. Affirmative action is the title and the regulations that are, Um, the compliance piece for folks who are engaged with the federal government. So if you've got a contract, you've got something that's going on, you're providing something to the feds, then you sign a contract that has this clause in it that says that you're going to um, be in compliance with Title 60, Title 300, Title 744, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Okay. So I help folks through all of those components, those pieces. Well, kind of back up just a little bit and break it down. What are some of the things that are part of affirmative action that they need to be aware of? Affirmative action, um, 
tells you what kind of a program that you have to have and that it, it affirmative action is just essentially based in um, practices at an organization that are going to be non-discriminatory, which means anything that has to do with employment. Um, from the selection process at, at hire to how you treat your applicants to how you treat your new employees to how you treat your existing employees all the way through from any time that they're going into a selection process, whether it's hire or promotion or even to be terminated. So when you're saying affirmative action, because the first thing that came to mind and the people I talked to was it's always seems to be just a black white issue. So affirmative action actually covers what Affirm when you're talking about hiring people? Affirmative action actually means to take positive steps towards something. And non-discrimination is based in Title VII, which is talking about not discriminating against people because of some, some characteristic that you can see or that you perceive. So that's race, gender, citizenship, it's uh, sexual orientation or identity, um, gender expression, disability status, protected veteran status. Mm. Um, and all of those components fall under different titles for federal code, and those are the things that we work with folks on. Okay. So when, you, when people hear affirmative action, a lot of times they think the first thought is, hey, it's, uh, uh, we're hiring blacks because they get to use this to get a job. Well, that, I'm just breaking it down. <laughs> so a long time ago, mm -hmm. there was something called the Civil Rights Act in 1965. Somewhere uh, 64, 65. Um, and from the 60s when it was actually implemented to the 80s when it was litigated all the way through to the Supreme Court, folks were using something called a quota system, which oh, meant yeah. that if you were, um, if your workforce was primarily white, then you would count people and you would say, okay, well, we need two more Hispanics or we need three more women right. in order to be at the right uh, balance. Okay. And so they would go out and find bodies. In a quota system, folks were only discussing race or gender. And what the regulation says is that it's not to be taken into consideration, that the person is supposed to be only judge on their merits on their own character I got race you. and gender and all the other protected characteristics are not part of the selection process well but this was back in the 60s though it, back in the 60s before it was litigated before okay. it was decided by the supreme court yes since then the push has been to understand how to achieve diversity through inclusion of everyone who is qualified. Okay, so help me understand, what does your company actually do? I mean, let's say we got company B over here, mm -hmm. and I'm running company B. You would come tell me what? I would come talk to you about all of the um, basic regula regulatory requirements. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are about... I don't know, 17 or so, and they're really complicated. And part of that means that you have to have an affirmative action program that's written down in a narrative that pulls your data, that talks about what your workforce composition is, that talks about all of your selection processes, the policies, the rates, who you're comparing those to, everything that is all of those components. So we go in and we help folks to 
be able to have a living, breathing program rather than just saying, okay, we've got this many people, this many of them are black, this many of them are Hispanic, this many of them are Asian, and we think that that's pretty balanced, so here's our, here's our plan. And then they do another one next year when it's required. So you guys aren't, okay, let me back up. I want to make sure I understand. I'm company B. I'm just going to say for lack of, because this is what this is all about as a police department. Let's say I'm a police department. Yeah. And I've got a hundred officers. Mm -hmm. You guys come in, you don't look at the color or the gender of people or do you? Let's say I've got a hundred white officers, a hundred male white officers, and we're all working. We're getting along just fine. You come in and you guys look at what? You're going to tell me what? I mean, I got... 100 officers, we're doing fine. Right. Okay. okay we're so, hitting it and getting it on the street, okay? We're keeping crime down now. Yeah, but if you need more people or if you're going to promote more people, then how? what does that look like? What are those selection processes? So what are the minimum qualifications to be a police officer? How okay. much experience, how much education, how many um, years do you need to be at a certain level what what are those basic requirements and then how many people out there in your community are qualified to do that job so if you say that the basic requirements are Mm -hmm. you have to be able to run fast you have to be able to shoot a gun in a certain manner you have to be able to um what else? Write a report. Write a report. <laughs> you have to be able stop. make a traffic stop. Physically, but, but, physically strong but wait, enough. Yeah. Okay. But wait a second. Aren't you going to train me to do oh, those yeah, yeah, things? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We go through training, yeah. So when I come in and I say, I want to be a police officer, you say, okay, good. What, what do I need to have to be a police mm-hmm. officer? Is there a cap on age and, what, and why? What does that mean, right? Okay. So all of those minimum requirements also have to be valid. So what makes someone eligible or qualified to even come into the very beginning stages to be able to be trained or to physically um, be eligible to do the job? Okay, so you're not... You're looking at all of our requirements of getting someone into the door to get them into the academy. Right. You're not yet concerned. This really doesn't have too much to do with what color they are. It has nothing to do with what color they are. Okay. That's the whole point. Well, see, this is where I'm telling you, this is where I mm-hmm. hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. So this just has to do with making sure that the people are treated fairly, given a, a fair shot at it. Right. Okay. And let's just say, okay, I got my 100 officers and I want to hire 10 more, but of those 10... Uh, I got ten more white applicants and uh, three three African Americans and three African. Listen to me, three blacks and uh, uh, one female. Okay, and out of that, the top ten of them that I'm going to hire happens to be white. Would that be a problem? It could be, and uh, the only reason that it could be is because we'd need to understand what the dispositioning was of those other candidates. So why did you reject them? Did you reject them because um, they couldn't lift 70 pounds or because they were um, unable to articulate themselves in the Mm -hmm. report? Mm -hmm. Was there a hiring manager who said, just wasn't a good fit or, or too old? You know, those kinds of reasons come into play. Right. But let's say they've gone through the academy. 
all of them were in the academy, and we got down to the last week or so, and it's like, hey, you're just not cutting it. You've been taught this over and over, and you're just not getting it, not grasping what it is, and you, you get cut off before that graduation day. You, like you said, we've trained them. Would it still be a problem if we're showing that, hey, they just couldn't shoot, they couldn't make the traffic stops, they're too afraid, they couldn't write the reports, they couldn't communicate well, and they just didn't cut the mustard? That was a component of one of the decisions um, from from the courts is that if you have a reason and it's, and it's something that you can explain and mm-hmm. something that is um, relevant to the work or the right. job that's going to be right. performed, it that can be evaluated um but it it is somewhat subjective so it's it is okay to reject someone mm-hmm. if they're not meeting the minimum qualifications right. of what it is that you need to do the job where it becomes a problem for organizations is when they say something like rejected and there's no evidence to show that that person was not qualified then when there's a lack of evidence to show that that person was not qualified, it defaults to a discriminatory reason because of precedence in decisions in the courts before. It could be saying that the reason why you didn't select that person was based on a protected characteristic because you didn't articulate the rejection reason. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just I know someone's listening right now going well, well, well wait a minute just because okay I think it's a little bit different because just because I didn't pick that person to be in the academy okay this is a little different than a person who's already been in the academy and just didn't cut the mustard versus a person who never got a chance to even get in I think that to me is where the problem comes in. If they've never got a chance to step up and say, hey, I want to be in the academy, but you never made it. There's still some testing that has to take place before you get into the academy. Correct. Before they start training you. That's correct. So do you guys see more that you're involved more at the beginning stages of they never got in because or after they've gotten in and they've gotten cut? We are actually not necessarily involved in one place more than the other because we are collecting all of the information of what has happened over the course of that particular plan year. So someone is giving us all of their information, we're processing it and then putting a plan, a narrative, a report out on the other side that says, here's the whole workforce. Here's how they break down into something called job groups. And then we start doing the comparisons. That's one part of the, of a, an affirmative action plan. The other part somewhat to what you're talking about is analyzing the adverse impact possibility from a selection criteria. So where, what you're talking about Mm -hmm. is how did something happen in one particular instance and of and what we do is take sitting back and looking at the totality, so the aggregate of everything that happened. We're looking at statistical values and seeing if there was um, anything that was st- statistically significant that might speak to you have a problem that is a, a whole problem, a, a holistic problem mm-hmm. across the way that you're doing things. Okay. All right. I'm, okay. I'm getting that. Okay. Answer me this. 
Okay. Yes. And I've seen it on the news a lot that the women are still fighting for equal pay. Is that part of yours? Do you guys fight for that also? We don't fight for anyone in particular. We consult on how they're reporting their information. <laughs> You'd be surprised well, well, at we... how, how little folks understand their pay scales and their pay um, plans that are out there. And what happens, you know, once you get somebody into the system and you're like, whew, I got it. Finally, I processed all the paperwork and right, I can give right. them a check. Good. That that happens. And it separates between the next time that that person's evaluated and gets a pay raise or a promotion or right. any of those okay. kinds of things. I right. We track what happens from starting pay through to the present time, whatever mm -hmm. it is that's happened over that course. We're also doing pay equity analysis where we're taking all of the decisions that were made for a particular protected characteristic and we're saying, okay, wait a second. So you pay all of your women 50% more than you pay your men. What's happening there? Mm -hmm. How are you making those decisions? Okay. Are you taking gender into account when you make these decisions? Because if you are, that's problematic for you. Ah, okay. I'm following you there. Okay, that made sense. Okay. Good. Well, at least I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can get it, I'm telling anybody can get that one. But, okay, do you guys get called in to places after a complaint has been made, or do you wait for a company to call you and say, hey, help us out? How do you get in? Companies call us and ask us to prepare their plans on an annual basis. Oh, okay. They also talk to us when they're getting audited by the agency, something called the OFCCP, the Office for Federal Contract Compliance Programs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're an arm of the Department of Labor, and they come in and they say, okay, Cleveland, with your company, you're going to give me all of your affirmative action plans because there are three for each year. For this year and for the prior year, we're going to look at all of those. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at all of your raw data. We're going to look at your pay. We're going to look at, you know, we're going to walk your facility and see if you are in compliance by having all of your posters present. Okay. Oh, are, okay. All of your, yeah. Are, yeah. are all of your facilities in compliance mm -hmm. with, you know, the 503C, blah, 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 blah. Right. They come in and they can ask for all of these things. We help companies to be able to um, speak to the agency, to know what are they asking us for. Like they, they sent us something called a scheduling letter. What does that mean? Mm -hmm, right. We, we got to turn over all these reports. What do they want? How mm -hmm. do they want it? Right, right. I got you. So well, we help with that aspect. We're not helping on a one-to-one -one basis. Those are generally attorneys that come in and do those that right. kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, if some, if an individual says, "I think that I've been discriminated against," that's a different route. We're more about the totality of the company. I got you. So, individual complaints are really not something you all wrestle with. No. Okay, you send them to some other way. That's correct. All right. Back to my police department. Yes. I'm happy with my officers. We're having a great time. No complaints are coming out. Let's say you guys come in and look at us and say, do you then say, hey, why do you not have any blacks on your department? Yes. Why do you not have any females? And I say, hey, look at your community and the people who are qualified to do this job. You live in, you're in a community. Let's, let's talk about Fort Wayne, for example. What's the percentage of qualified individuals that are black 
that could be police officers. Well, see, that's where the tricky part comes in. When you say qualified applicants or qualified people, if they're out wandering around, walking around or going to school or whatever, how do you know they even want to be part of that police department? So you can't say I've got We got qualified people walking around. The only way you would know they were qualified if they applied, right? Not necessarily. So, well, so there how, do, are how do you know sets. that? There are data sets that we go out and look for. There are the, well, the it, U.S. It, census. Explain this data set sure. thing. Cause, yeah. <laughs> the U.S. Census goes out every 10 years, door to door. They are responsible that they have to ask every single household who's in it, what do they do, how do they do it. And they talk about all of the different components. So what are the demographics of, of this household? Mm-hmm. Who works? Who goes to school? Who has what degree? And, and th- so that all of that data is collected. Okay. And those are the, those are the, that's the information. That's what we call data sets. That's the information that we compare workforces to. So when you take a job and you say, I'm going to post for a police officer. Here are the minimum qualifications. Mm-hmm. If the minimum qualifications, they, they then match to a particular census code that is, actually, I think it's 3450. Don't, don't call me a geek. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> 3450 okay. is out there, and it says, this is, how, this is what potential police officers look like in this particular metropolitan area. You can find areas based on, in the census code, based on the city that they're in, Mm -hmm. based on the zip code that they're in, the county, the region, all kinds of things. And and then you compare those those data sets Mm -hmm. to what it is that you're trying to to fill. Okay. So let's say you, you get all of that. How do you know those like 30 uh, male blacks and the... 30 females that match your code want to have anything to do with the police department? It's a statistical reference. So it's saying that those folks potentially would be qualified to do your job, do the job that you're posting for. Potentially, but they never came. They never filled out an application. It was offered to them. They Which is an- advertised and they just never stepped up. Which is another aspect of what we do as far as consulting is concerned because we ask about, well, okay, so let's talk about your outreach. If you're saying, well, nobody came in. Well, what'd you do? How did you get your job out there? Who knows about it? And are you you connecting to the right people to be able to reach that particular pocket of, of the the population all right okay see now that makes sense i get it i see so when people the one thing that you normally will hear is that people are upset because of affirmative action gave this person a job over me uh is that true not true you know kill that myth or add to that myth what do you think I don't think that that's true. Well, you hear it. I you know it's that, being said. Yes. I know that it's being said. I hear mm. it on TV still. It makes me crazy <laughs> when they say that. Okay. But when they do talk about an affirmative action hire, what they're implying is that somebody who was less qualified than you got mm. the job because of the color of their skin. Okay. Look. Or, okay. Look. <laughs> say what you got to say. The only time that I've ever seen anything I've seen, I've seen those accusations Mm -hmm. and 
there hasn't been a time where some hiring manager has come in and said, you know what, I'm only going to hire I'm only going to hire her because she's Mexican. That's why I'm hiring her. That that isn't the consideration. And if if that's something that is spoken about or talked about on the front end, you go, whoa, hey, 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 look, you're putting a risk out there for our organization to be sued, mm-hmm. to be in found to be non-compliant with the OFCCP, which is going to cost us X, Y, Z. It's really expensive to discriminate against someone and get busted for it. So we we discourage those kinds of approaches to selection. I have seen people complain about not yeah. getting a job right, and then right. trying they always try to blame it on somebody else other than saying you know what i could be better i could have mm, more education right, right. i could get more experience mm. i could have been a better interviewee i could have you know i don't i don't know i could have right. returned their phone call you know <laughs> yeah. whatever it right, is right, right. not taking the onus on themselves to say you know what, that person probably has some other qualifications that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And maybe I better spruce it up here, right. over here, so that I'm the best qualified candidate and that someone's going to choose me. Right. Okay. You said something in there that uh, hits home to me because it was said to me when I was hired at a certain place that I was hired because they needed a black person. And when this came up later, I was told that, oh, well, it's okay to say that. <laughs> Everybody needs black people, don't they? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. So is that an so, okay thing? To, it just flat out was told to me, and then it was said out loud, like, oh, it's okay. From an affirmative action standpoint, from an EEO standpoint, that isn't okay to say. That isn't something that's taken into consideration when you're talking about selection. Diversity and inclusion folks are a different story. It's not the same. It's it's not about um, compliance and, and complying with federal regulations. Diversity and inclusion folks, it's a different context. So when they're looking at it, they're looking at the community that's being served mm-hmm. and the folks who are serving. The, the, what they're looking for is to mirror the community. Right. Right. And so if somebody says, we need some more black folks in here to be police officers. What they're really saying from a diversity and inclusion standpoint is there's a lot of blacks in our population who feel like they're not represented. Okay. So they're looking more about representation and diversity than they are about qualifications and, you know, workforce development kind of things. So they just misspoke. (laughs) I think they missed the mark a little bit okay (laughs) as far as as far from an equal employment opportunity standpoint um you know we're not discriminating we're not taking race or gender or any of the other protected characteristics into consideration and that's the main thing you want to say because i mean people keep saying this to this day it is said that my cousin didn't get that job because they needed to hire a black person or they needed a female i mean it's still being said so how, how do you stop that or you just don't? It, a lot of that is education. So folks who say things like that don't know the reasoning. They don't understand the the abyss that they're, that they're 
staring out into of joblessness and they need uh, they need some kind of a reason or an excuse so Mm -hmm. what we need to do as educators as folks who are aware is to be able to share share Mm -hmm. the information that we have share the knowledge that we have with those folks who are saying things from a from a place of ignorance really they just don't know gotcha gotcha okay so the question was asked also of me do we still need affirmative action or is it still things getting along pretty good everybody seems to be going along pretty good you know people getting jobs do we still need you guys out there you know i was thinking about that on my way over um i was thinking about traffic signs and how traffic is regulated still with stop signs and stop lights and things like that. And you know, I don't know that the that human nature inherently is going to always do good and always do the right thing. You have to be reminded at a basic level that these are the societal expectations and here's how you navigate those things mm. and here's some basics to help you to stay on the right track. Sometimes you get too busy. Sometimes, you know, I've heard a lot of HR professionals say, we don't have time for that. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You always have time to do the right thing. Hmm. And so I think that that's kind of, yes, we still need affirmative action. Um, We probably needed it long before the 60s when it was implemented, but you know. But it's We're here. here now. We're here now, right. Correct. Right. Okay, so help me with the guy on the police department who says, I did not get promoted because I'm black. Because you're black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> help let's me with hear that about. Let's hear about why, what were the reasons that were given about the qualifications and about where did you come up short compared to the candidate who was selected? Because if they can articulate that to mm-hmm. you, run with it. Do what you got to do. You know, you don't have the right, the same experience level that he right. does or she does, whomever it was that was promoted over you. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is mm-hmm. if somebody else is more qualified and right. somebody can articulate that to right. you. Go out and get the education. Go out and get the experience. Go out and do whatever it is that you need to do and realize that there's going to be competition out there. That's the whole point. We want the best qualified person to mm-hmm. have this job. You have to continually have the ambition to better yourself and to be the best offering for a candidate that's out there. Well, that, that was well said, well spoken. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> now, it, um, I know you're a little more of your background than you probably told. Has you ever thought about law enforcement? No. And I'll tell you why. I run really slow <laughs> and I don't jump very high. Okay. <laughs> In a way. I might be able to shoot somebody, but well, I let's couldn't stop. catch them. Let's, let's just stop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I, here's the thing. I really do appreciate you being here today and uh, clearing up a few things and the myths and the stuff that people were talking to me about. I mean, that was, that was great. I, if I can understand it. I don't know why someone else could not. And I'm sure there would be people wanting to email me and uh, ask me questions. And we can always have you back because you're not that far away anymore. Absolutely. You used to be pretty far away, but you're closer now. And again, you're not saying the name of your company, but you do uh, consulting work. That's correct. And let well, I can't even say how would they get in touch with you because then that would be giving out the name of your company. If but. someone wants to ask a question about affirmative action, mm-hmm. um, uh, 
I'm always happy to help through you to okay. answer okay. an email. If um, it's specific enough mm-hmm. to a particular situation, I can also refer them over to the right person so that they can get the help that they need at that level. Right. If we're talking about something that's philosophical or theoretical, right. I can always pontificate. <laughs> Okay, final question, and uh, you may or may not be able to answer this question here. Do you think things have gotten better um, over the years from, I mean, obviously from the 60s to now, yes, but have you seen a a huge improvement in understanding of affirmative action uh, with companies and businesses? It it ebbs and flows, to be really Hmm. honest with you. It's it's, – not quite cyclical, more like waves okay. where okay. there's an advancement and then there's a retraction mm. and then there's an advancement. And, um, you know, and, and the thing about affirmative action is that it's a regulatory component mm-hmm. of contracts. Okay. So you're not just talking about the theoretical piece of it or the, um, the idealism that goes along with affirmative action. You're Mm -hmm. also talking about the nuts and bolts. Do we agree on what this means? Do we agree on what validity means or whatever it is that this, and it starts getting into that litigation process where we're talking about things and clearing those components up. And then you get into the political flow of things because of the agency's um, direct correlation to the president to those administrations to mm-hmm. it being either democratic or republican right so it it goes um in waves again based on what the agenda is of that political political piece which portion are we going to, right. to push fiscal responsibility versus social responsibility and right, right. all of those pieces so from a, an overall standpoint with I think companies and what Mm -hmm. they want to do right they understand that affirmative action is a component Mm -hmm. and a piece when they are really truly dedicated to diversity and inclusion they create that space in their organization for diversity and inclusion and affirmative action they know and they understand is used as a tool right to inform gotcha what would be the one thing you'd want to make sure anyone listening got out of this conversation? Affirmative action is not about quotas. Um, affirmative action really should be seen um, as something that has to do with cultural change mm-hmm. and has to do with um, understanding inclusion in the selection process and how you utilize your affirmative action program and your planning is really important ba- in with regard to outreach and with regard to understanding who's qualified for the various components Hmm. Um, affirmative action is concentrating on in in the next upcoming few years concentrating on what do the promotion opportunities look like for folks and how are those being handled in addition to what does the landscape at your organization look like for individuals with disabilities those are the focuses, hmm. foci, focuses, whatever it is, <laughs> that are that are going to come into play, um, right. and that 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 affirmative action is really about taking positive steps towards diversity and inclusion. Wow, wow, okay, thanks. <laughs> that was really good. I, Julie, I always enjoy talking to you. 
And it's always good seeing you because I hadn't seen you in a, a long time. But uh, I really appreciate you bringing this up. Um, we talked about it before at a couple of luncheons, and we fi- said we finally would get around to doing this. But I really appreciate it, really appreciate your time and your knowledge. I mean, I knew nothing. I, I knew absolutely nothing. I was told when I got in the academy the only reason I was there was because of affirmative action. And I knew didn't have a clue what they were talking about. But thank you very much for clearing the air. Thank you for having uh, me. Hey, it's great. Uh, folks, if you have any questions or comments, you know how to reach us. It'll be at policepodtalk at gmail.com. Go ahead and shoot us questions, and we can always have her back, or we can have her answer the question, and I can read it to you on the next segment. But uh, I learned a lot today, and hopefully you did, and hopefully there's something that you can share with someone else. Again, check us out on Facebook at uh, Police Pod Talk, and also at Cleveland Junior, whichever one you want to check us on, and we'll friend us, and we'll make sure you understand what's going on with the schedule and everything. Hopefully you enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for being on here and Police Pod Talk. And Julie, again, thank you very much.